This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours of fun and Ireland's easiest quiz, getting harder and harder as the money climbs. Congrats to Marianne Vaughan and producer Monica Hayes for scooping silver at the Imros last night for their programme History Fix which you can hear on Tuesday evenings at 6 here on KCLR. But we're turning our attention to business this morning on The Bottom Line. Sleep poverty and its impact on business. We talk how your ability to stack Zs or not stack them can impact on the bottom line of your business with an internationally experienced sleep physiologist. Katrina Cullen and Kay Ling, two leading local lights among women in business, talk about National Women's Enterprise Day, which takes place next Thursday. And we're out and about at our first new business launch event in at least 18 months. But first, cast your mind back 12 COVID months. Ireland was on the verge of its second lockdown, which saw all but essential retail shuttered. People confined within 5k of their homes, remember that, and a total ban on family or social gatherings and at that stage we hadn't yet heard about the Delta variant. People were scared and frustrated and looking with envy on places like New Zealand which seemed to have their response to the global pandemic just right while we were floundering. So 12 months on, how is Ireland Inc. doing? Well during the week Bloomberg published their COVID resilience ranking listing the best and worst places to be around the world as we learn to live with Delta. Joining me on the line to discuss this and other business stories making the headlines during the week is Morwenna Cunningham, Ireland Bureau Chief at Bloomberg News. Good morning, Morwenna. Good morning, John. How are you? A couple of months since we spoke, we've really uh, turned some sort of corner in Ireland, I think. Yes, yes, we have. It it does feel like things are um, sort of really opening up up now, um, especially as we're going into the next phase of easing the restrictions and it does you're right when you're saying about you know in january it, it sort of does seem another another world away now doesn't it yeah absolutely now bloomberg known internationally for your analysis of data business information and so on so you've put together a, a resilience ranking which you've been running for quite a while and it's kind of like a chart of the best and worst places to be uh, during covid tell us a bit about it and, and what, what the ups and downs have been over say the last year well, that's right. So the ranking, um, which I think we began running last November, um, you know, big operation using a, a lot of our excellent um, you know, data. Uh, it captures the world's biggest 53 economies and looks at how they're responding best to the pandemic. So the things it looks at are things like virus containment, obviously, you know, the, those case numbers that we that we hear about every day, um, the quality of healthcare in the com- country, vaccination coverage, the overall death rate and also the progress towards restarting travel and easing border curbs and you know things like gdp and and essentially how the economy is doing or or looking to do um so ireland in fact came out number one in the world this week uh which you know is quite a that was up three places from where it was in august but obviously a huge turnaround from the beginning of the year where we had one of the world's worst infection rate at, at one point 
Yeah, and, and, and January was really terrible. How low were we on, on the charts? Um, you know, I'm actually not exactly sure where the uh, what what number we fell at back in January um, because we'd only just started it then. But um, I can see the sort of tracking on the graph, um, you know, and it, it looks like we we were sort of in the lower third. I'd in say. the lower third, and that's out of uh, yeah. around 50 countries. And and I mentioned in the introduction that you know we were looking enviously at the New Zealands of this world around this time last year, but. The tide has turned there, and they're not coping so well at the moment. No, they have fallen down quite um, substantially, and, and that's you know really because they've got such strict um, restrictions still in place. And and, that, and a lot of Southeast Asian countries, you know, which had been higher when we began the ranking last November, have also fallen because their restrictions are persisting. You know, particularly for travel uh, for a lot of places. And while you know Ireland and, and the EU um, have really opened up, you know, with that with that COVID cert that we have now. Yeah, and, and it's we also have done very well on vaccinations. Yeah, and it's very. Um difficult position for the US which is kind of reeling and places that that are even behind them previously and aren't doing as well at vaccinations have actually overtaken them so it's a bit of a mess stateside Yeah so and of course they're the world's biggest economy and they they dropped three places and now number 28 but it's you know they've really opened up um, you know, they, in, in an unsort of restricted way entirely in a lot of the country, of course, things do vary state by state. Um, but, you know, regardless of vaccination stations, in a lot, in a lot of states, um, the vaccination rate is much lower um, and, you know, and there aren't restrictions. So they've had a big surge in cases, particularly, you know, since Delta, but really sort of continuously there. Mm, and no room for complacency because, as as we've said, Ireland was down the charts. We have uh, topped the charts this week. It sounds like a music programme, the way we're talking, but it's very serious. We're talking about COVID, but, but it is a dynamic situation and Delta changed it and it could change again. So we need to be careful, one would imagine. Absolutely. You know, we have had, got over 90% of the adult population having two shots, but you said, you know, we have had to... Re, you know, reclose things once we'd reopened before. You know, we do still have cases, you know, persisting, um, you know, over a thousand a day, you know, which is something that we would have thought was very high at one point before January. So, you know, that there is no room for complacency. Um, data coming out yesterday showing that, you know, there are a lot of breakthrough cases, unfortunately. You know, it does lower the, you know, chance of serious illness and death, of course. Um, you know, but it's not, um, and until, you know, everybody is vaccinated, you know, we do need to protect one another still and, um, you know, hope that we can continue in the, you know, sort of positive trajectory that we've been moving in. Yeah, now, uh, uh, moving on from COVID, but kind of related to it in many ways, um, supply chains, something we only spoke about kind of very rarely um, going back a year, two years ago, but um, we've spoken on it almost on a weekly basis on this programme over the last while, but but the whole issue is becoming more and more and more prominent. Last week, it was kind of, oh, there's a bit of an issue with petrol in the UK. It's got worse and worse, and it looks like it's going to continue on that basis. Yes, yeah, so this really is a um, you know pan European problem, and it's actually it's a global problem, and there are lots of different factors. You know, so obviously in the UK, um, you know, there's a huge shortage of uh, truck drivers, which is really sort of compounding that um, fuel fuel issues and, and distribution there. Um, you know, but across Europe, you know, that's obviously had an impact um, in Ireland and the UK in particular. Uh, you know, there are still problems associated with Brexit. 
Um, but you've also got, um, you know, COVID restrictions at ports internationally, which have been, you know, limiting capacity. So, so there's a lot of queues. Um, there's actually, uh, you know, issues with some of the natural resources, um, which, you know, and, and, and of course now energy shortages as well. So all these things, you know, combined means that retailers, you know, are wanting, they are struggling to get supplies, um, you know, that in Ireland as well as elsewhere in Europe, you know, um, coming up to Christmas. You know, people are getting quite quite anxious about that, and you know there is surging demand, and we're also seeing rising prices. Mm. And now, uh, another issue that was big in the news and uh, is a huge issue for for business because it's a big cost, but also we need energy to keep the lights on in businesses. Is the whole energy story? Yes. Yeah, so um, the Ireland's electricity grid this week did did warn that that you know that will be potential capacity shortfall um for the next five years of winter periods um you know the the um minister Eamon ryan has repeatedly said you know that it does not see blackouts this winter you know they think that they've got enough capacity to sort of keep the lights on um you know throughout throughout the winter of 2021 um but that you know there will be potentially some some issues and some alerts and that they, you know, they've got some temporary measures in place. But then looking further forward, you know, we're looking at, you know, up to sort of 2025, 20, 26. Um, and that's just as, you know, the older fleet is struggling to keep up with increased electricity use. And that is something which is compounded by data centers, um, for, you know, big tech companies here, um, you know, which are obviously based here and are contributing a lot to the economy, but they also use a lot of energy. Um, and that's expected to, you know, drive more demand um, so, you know, they do see some shortfalls unless they, you know, they're able to find ways to make stock gaps and that, you know, they have been trying to come up with plans, you know, bringing on um, temporary um, generators, um, you know, in order to sort of mitigate some of those medium term risks. Yeah, and it's it's an issue that's going to recur and, and it's not something that just can be uh, quickly fixed. So we better get used to the whole issue of security of energy supply. And it also feeds into the whole environmental issue as well. So a, a complex one and energy costs would seem, uh, you know, to be headed in only one direction. Yes, you know, I mean, Electric Ireland raised raised their prices. Uh, said they're going to raise their prices yesterday as well. Um, you know, we're seeing that across the board, and it and it's something that's an issue for the whole of Europe. Of course, you know, Ireland doesn't have the the lowest cost in the first place. So, um, you know, it is it is a reminder to people as well to to be conservative with their use of um, electricity and and power. You know, in general, um, because of course, you know, we are also in a um, a situation where we have to um, try and preserve have the environment and that is a you know a big contributor so um you know all these factors together um you know it is it's something that it's hard to ignore and it, it's, it's entering people's daily lives yeah well it looks like it's going to be an interesting uh winter ahead for us marwina uh thank you uh for that uh, that was Mar- marwina cunningham uh, who is the dublin bureau chief at bloomberg news thanks for joining us this morning marwina Thanks so much, John. OK, that's uh, good to talk to Marwina there about those issues and lots of big issues on the horizon in the coming months and we'll keep you updated on them uh, here on The Bottom Line. Now, coming up, we're going to be talking about National Women in Enterprise Day, which comes up next Thursday. Stay tuned. 
The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. This is Irish Music Month. Proudly supported by KCLR. KCLR proud to support Irish Music Month, of course, because uh, music and entertainment is a huge business across Ireland and across Carlo and Kilkenny and many great artists uh, here locally were blessed and you'll be hearing even more of them across KCLR in the coming weeks and months uh, and great to support that. Now, next Thursday, the 7th of October, is a date to mark in your diary. It's National Women Women's Enterprise Day. Now in its 15th year, it's an initiative of the local enterprise office. It's described by Jackie McNabb, who's co-chair of the National Women's Enterprise Day and uh, Carla Woman, as a day of celebration of the very best in female entrepreneurship. To find out more about National Women's Enterprise Day, earlier this week I caught up with the leading lights for Kilkenny and Carla, Kay Ling of Kay Kaju Jewels, who are in Kilkenny, and Katrina Cullen of Cullen Nurseries in Carlow. Now, Katrina joined us on the show previously when we were in the midst of that lockdown, which I was discussing with Marwina last November. So I started by asking Katrina how business has been since last we spoke. John, I have to say business has been very, very good for us. Um, the Shop Local and Look for Local campaigns was very good to us in that we had an awful lot more customers in Carlow, Kilkenny and Kildare. We actually expanded our business. We purchased an, eight, eight, an additional eight acres of land, which we lined out this year. So we'll have product coming out of that field now in about 18 months' time. Um, we've taken on part-time staff. So it has been very, very good for us, thankfully. We have worked very hard. We've availed the support available to us. So we've we've um, we've made it work for us as well. But look, I can't complain. It's been good for us. It's been challenging, obviously. Yeah. Very, very challenging. Yeah, but, huge, uh, we've, huge, been, we've been going quite busy, thank God. Yeah, huge challenge. Um, but the, never before has resilience been called for. What, what kind of skills did you draw on when you were faced with the, the huge challenges of this time last year? My first resilience, or my first, um, what I had to pull on was to put my hand up and say, I need help. And that's where we went to the Leo and there was so much support there that was made available to us. And things that I never really considered, like a management development course, um, marketing mentoring and things that I just hadn't considered pre- in previous years. I availed of all of those things and it really helped me upskill. It took the pressure off. It educated me, which sometimes when you're going around in the dark, that's the scariest place. There's nothing to fear except fear itself. And I educated myself, upskilled, and I was able to see the light, mm. to be honest with you, because there was a massive demand for what we were doing and it was just getting our name and our brand out there. And the training and mentoring and support I got from Leo helped me do that, helped me do it myself in a cost and time effective way. Yeah, now uh, your business that you mentioned there, of course, is Cullen Nurseries. For people who may not know your business, just give us an idea of the services and products you provide. So we grow and supply native trees and hedging. We've actually expanded our range now to include potted hedging and ornamental trees just to meet that the homeowner's market, the new gardens. Uh, we would traditionally sell a lot to farmers who were participating in the GLOSS, the AOS, the REP schemes. So we expanded out our market as well to include the homeowners, the new builds, people um, that are in their homes a couple of years and want to invigorate their garden as well just adding ornamental trees and 
So we do a local planting service. We're actually booked up for planting for the Beirut season for 2021, which is fantastic. And uh, we give a lot of advice to people. So we're not in for the short sale, we're in for the long term because people are always updating their gardens and, and making um, improvements to their homes. So we would give an awful lot of advice to people and genuine advice is what will and won't work in their garden as well. Yeah, so that's a really good position to be in. You're yourself into really long-term planning, <coughs> excuse me, then presumably. Kay Ling of Kay Kajoo Jewels also joins us on the line. Kay, tell us a bit about your business. Um, hi, and thanks for having me. Um, so my business is Kay Kajoo Jewels and it's handcrafted um, jewellery brand where I design and make all of the pieces myself in my studio in County Kilkenny. So I use semi-precious stones, Swarovski crystals, freshwater pearls, that type of thing. And um, I would wholesale to about 30 stockists around the country. And then I have um, a website where I sell directly to customers as well. Yeah, and obviously, apart from the website, uh, face-to-face retail has been under huge pressure over the last 12 months. How how did that impact you and how did you get through COVID? Yeah, so I think, like Katrina said, it's been very challenging. Um, but, you know, it, it took a lot of work, but we got through in the end. So just as COVID was starting to hit, we had finished doing um, a wholesale show, which takes a lot of time and money to do. It's Showcase Ireland. Um, so we've made new relationships with new stockists and, you know, gotten great orders from existing stockists. And within the month, either the orders were cancelled or they were delivered and the shops were closed. So they probably weren't going to be paid for a number of months. So obviously it was pretty scary time. And, you know, there was an awful lot of going on because the information was coming in real time. So you were adjusting what you were expecting on the hour, the hour really. Um, so luckily I had put a lot of work um, with the Leo into my website. Um, I'd done the trading online voucher and then I'd done a subsequent program to optimize the website. So what I wasn't experiencing prior to COVID was the kind of traffic I was hoping for. So, you know, once the dust started to settle and we had those long days of no school and no work in our house, I kept thinking about how I was going to, you know, get through this. And obviously the website was the obvious answer. Um, so I worked with the Leo again and um, did a lot of mentoring to optimize the website further and drive traffic through it. Um, and thankfully, I've um, some great customers and, you know, fantastic followers on social media. And, you know, they did their best to support Irish and shop local and all of that kind of thing. So it really did help my business get through that time. Yeah, now teams running through what you've both talked about there are supporting local and also the support from the local enterprise office uh, network. Now, an initiative that the national local enterprise offices involving all of the local networks are undertaking is National Women's Enterprise Day, which takes place next Thursday, the 7th of October. Uh, Katrina, talk to us about the the unique uh, role, challenges and uh, place of women in enterprise and why there's a need for something like National Women's Enterprise Day. I think now more than ever there's a need for National Women in Enterprise Day. Um, I was frightened by the statistics. I can't even remember off the top of my head, but the amount of frontline workers who were women who kept us going through the pandemic. And, and that's the reality of it. We were at home. We were still working. We were raising the kids. We were educating the kids. And I just think we're fantastic anyway. But I think it's really important to highlight to women that we can have it all we can run our homes we can have businesses and we can have careers that we feel accomplished by 
Um, I was chosen to be leading light for National Living Enterprise Day and I have to say it's a very proud day the day I got the call. I was actually lucky enough to be part of the ACORNS programme last October as well. And it was that network of women and those friends that I met, although virtually, that has kept me going through the dark days of that pandemic when you're trying to work and you're trying to put your best foot forward. We were lucky enough to um, avail of a trading online voucher as well. And all of that was so new to me. But to have a network of women that I you've met virtually and that you've made connections with and you share the same story with that you can tap into that network and say I'm struggling today I need some help with such a thing and they'll recommend somebody or they'll have a, a nugget of information that they've picked up or a, that they can share with you Mm. I have to say that network of women up and down the length and breadth of this country has been so invaluable to me for my mental health and my physical well-being as well. So it is an honour to be chosen to be a leading light. I was honoured to be part of the ACORNS programme as well. And I think we all, we really are supporting each other and building our future, which is, is the theme of this year's event. I think it's so important that we come out on next Thursday and tap into that network even more. Kay, uh, you've been chosen as another uh, leading light. Talk to us about your perspective on women in business and the need for a national women's enterprise day. Um, yeah, like Katrina said, it's such an honour to be chosen um, and, you know, it just makes you sit back and reflect on how far your business has come. And I think that's a really important um, thing to do during these events. You know, when you are taking the time out, it is really great to map ahead and look where at the possibilities of where your business to go, but also to look back and reflect on how far you've come, the resilience you've shown, the things that you've achieved. Um, and I always find that when National Women's Enterprise Day is on, that, you know, you just get an immense sense of pride at the things that you have achieved, that the, the women that are presenting or speaking at the event have achieved. It's a very kind of collective um, day and it's all about supporting each other and lifting each other up. Yeah, and the leading lights are described in the information that we've got from the National Enterprise Offices as um, business owners that have shown exceptional leadership, resilience and innovation in 2021. Talk to us a bit about resilience and, and how people can develop resilience and get in the mood to innovate when they're under pressure and juggling a whole lot of different things. Who wants to be first taking that on, Katrina? I think... I think women perform incredibly well under pressure and the last 18 months have been exactly that. We were educating our kids and some people probably didn't have small people at home but they still had that massive shift back out of the office. I think it's in our DNA and our nature. We're multitaskers by nature. Um, But like I said, we are much more able to tap into our network to ask for help, to put our hand up and to say... I need some help over here and as a collective I think women just do that for each other because we all know what it, what, what it feels like to be honest. Mm. Kay, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I think, you know, women show great resilience. We don't always recognise it um, but, you know, there's been so much change and flux over the last 18 months and you know it doesn't necessarily mean that you had to have school kids at home but everybody had concerns about parents about family members who might be vulnerable um, about your business about the bills that were coming in and you know to be able to kind of get through that period and strengthen your business you know it should give great confidence for the time ahead Mm. and you know I think people should really recognize that and, you know, be happy and confident about what they have achieved over that time. You know, businesses really reinvented themselves, reimagined how they would open their doors every day, um, whether it was virtually or in a takeaway capacity 
or a gifting capacity, you know, everybody had to adjust and pivot. Um, and it's fantastic to see how many businesses were able to come through and come out the other side even stronger. Yeah. Uh, Katrina, can I put a question to you? I mean, it's obvious the strengths that you see uh, women having, having in business, but if there was something that you think that women could learn from men in business and vice versa, what men could learn from women in business, what would those things be? I feel a delegation would be that thing. I think women probably need to delegate a little bit more. I'm just talking from my own perspective. When Robert and I started to work together, we sat down and we had a conversation about what was each other's expectation. Mm. So I told him my expectation of him. He told me my expectation of of me. And we very clearly defined who did, who was responsible for what. Uh, When you're living together, working together and trying to raise a family together, there can be stressful times. There's Mm. no point in saying there can't. But we very clearly laid out this is your role, this is my role, we don't deviate. So if something doesn't get done, we know exactly who was, not who was responsible, but you know, you can you can find a, a resolution then. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. Before the break, you heard Kay Ling from Kay Kajou Jewels and Katrina Cullen from Cullen Nurseries talking to me about their role in National Women's Enterprise Day, which is called Build the Future. And you can get more information or register for a free event on localenterprise.ie. And that's taking place on the 7th of October. Now, when it comes to business, we're all fairly used to hearing advice on a wide range of aspects of business like Time management, cash flow, presentation skills, business development, new product development, marketing strategy, and on and on and on. But what about sleep? Well, sleep, the ability of you and your colleagues to stack your Zs, has a huge impact on productivity, creativity, safety, general well-being, and lots more. Now, during the week, I spoke with Motti Verghese, a sleep physiologist who, during the coming week, is giving an online workshop for businesses across Carlow and Kilkenny called Optimize Your Sleep for health and productivity. I started by asking him to tell me about the negative impacts on companies and the economy of poor sleep habits. There, there have been studies done into it. Rand Corporation uh, did a study a few years ago and uh, the findings of that study is quite uh, quite, quite, quite shocking, uh, I should say. Uh, United States alone loses about $280 billion to $411 billion annually to absenteeism and health issues from sleep deprivation. Uh, and that includes, um, uh, you know, cost to uh, employee health, uh, cost uh, from the absenteeism, uh, accidents and injuries that happens at work plays as a result of fatigue that is uh, originating from sleep deprivation and also compensation claims and that comes to around 2.3 billion uh, 2.3% of the american gdp and the other industrialist countries like japan uh, uh, um, Germany, uh, Canada, and the UK also uh, uh, has uh, similar figures. And the cost of uh, sleep deprivation in the UK is about $50 billion, and also about 600,000 workdays are lost. And I think it is it would be reasonable for us to think that th- the case here in Ireland uh, is, isn't much different, because we have a huge manufacturing industry here. And also, um, uh, you know, the, when you look at the, uh, the prevalence of different sleep disorders, ours isn't much similar different to what these countries have reported so uh, I think it will be reasonable to believe that there is uh, value in 
addressing this, uh, this uh, three problems. Yeah, now, and the whole area of business, we hear so much about effectiveness and time management uh, and so on, but sleep is an area that's largely neglected. Um, this seminar that uh, Carlo Kilkenny Skillnet are running uh, on the 5th of October, uh, at which you're speaking, aims to put sleep on the business agenda. How does it manifest itself on a, on a daily basis in terms of people not having enough sleep? Um, sleep plays a significant role in memory formation and in our ability to make the right decisions, whether at work or when we are on the road driving back and forth through uh, home and work, uh, and also on our uh, general um, uh, health and well-being, physical and mental health, and also weight management, which a lot of us are interested in these days, uh, and um, also our reaction times. When we are sleep deprived, our reaction time is going to be longer, but a well-rested employee will have a much shorter uh, reaction time. And I think all of those factors will generally uh, affect the productivity of a person when he or she is at work. So I think there's a definitely sleep is one area to be focused on by the employers. And the unique it is a unique situation where people, uh, employers and employees get benefited uh, from looking at it and, and resolving those sleep issues, at least helping the employees to resolve their sleep problems. Yeah, and tell us, what are the contributory factors to poor sleeping habits and, and a poor night's sleep? I suppose people can have poor sleeping habits or they can have episodic uh, you know instances of poor sleep but can you just talk to us a bit about like what leads to poor sleep Yes, when we speak to individuals, they generally report, you know, I'm sleeping poorly or I'm not sleeping very well. And I think, you know, we have to make certain effort to bring information to individuals where they could identify, where they could look at their own sleep and identify whether it is a problem with the quality of sleep, which is what we would see in a lot of sleep problems like uh, sleep apnea or restless legs, and which are which is very common, uh, and also other sleep disorders that affect the quantity of sleep, like insomnia or circadian rhythm disorders. So if individuals can themselves screen their sleep or um, look at their own sleep and differentiate between different types of sleep problems and contact uh, health professionals who have expertise in that area to resolve it, uh, th- that will be useful. Yeah, and what about all these apps? You know, people have, many people have uh, wearable fitness devices that tell you how many steps you take. Uh, it gives you information on sleep as well, but I reckon most people don't have a clue about what it means and what they should ideally uh, be aiming for. Can you define kind of what the optimum level of sleep people should be aiming for and what types of sleep? Yes, there are general recommendations on how much sleep we should be getting. Uh, so the, the recommended sleep duration is about seven to nine hours or over seven hours. But I think the most important one is the not recommended sleep duration, which is under six hours, where we will start to accumulate a sleep debt, which can build up and result in fatigue, or over 10 hours of sleep. If someone has to sleep over 10 hours, their quality of sleep can be poor, and hence the sleep demand or sleep need is never met. So despite sleeping for long hours, they're still going to feel sleepy and tired when they wake up. And that generally happens when there is an issue with the quality of sleep. Coming to the question of the uh, wearables or the sleep trackers and uh, whether they have a role, I think that there is enough evidence there to uh, believe that the wearables and individuals looking at their own sleep data is actually making some people, at least uh, a group of people, anxious about their own sleep. And when they're seeing um, there is only 10% of the total sleep time spent in deep sleep, you know, people are starting to look uh, on uh, why that is happening or how they can themselves 
is improve it. So, I mean, the, the best way to uh, look at their own, say, point to your quality is to actually f- look at how you're feeling during the daytime. If you're feeling energetic and alert all the time during the daytime, uh, then uh, it would be reasonable to believe that you're getting good quantity of good quality sleep. But if you are cautious about it, uh, definitely look for help then. Yeah. Uh, can you give us some uh, common causes of poor sleep quality or poor sleep length uh, and maybe some ideas as to how people can tackle those? Yes. If uh, insomnia is one of the common, most common sleep disorders. If, you, if a person takes 30 minutes or longer to fall asleep or 30 minutes or longer to return to sleep or if they wake up earlier in the morning than they would like to and if they're not getting back to sleep at all and if that's happening three nights a week, that's what we would call insomnia. And the development of insomnia is uh, a 3P model where some of us can be slightly more anxious than others and we will be predisposed to develop insomnia uh, when we have a precipitating factor. And then we start to get anxious about sleep itself and that anxiety about sleep perpetuates uh, the sleepless nights or the nights with poor sleep and that's when we can say a person has developed insomnia where we'll have thoughts like will I sleep tonight what if I don't how will I manage my day tomorrow you know and that's when we need to start looking for help and that since it is an indication that the person has developed anxiety about sleep hmm. uh, but if somebody I'm, goes to bed at say circa 10.30 in the evening and wakes up you know goes to sleep at 10.30 and wakes up at 5.30 in the morning and thinks oh I should be sleeping in till half 7 or something like that they may have had enough sleep they may have had 7 hours of sleep Yes, they may have had seven hours of sleep and that's a a situation where we have to look at the chronotype of the individual to determine whether the person is a morning type person or an evening type person or an intermediate um, where he or she is somewhere in the middle. So morning morning person isn't just a a myth, it's a a real thing. Some people are actually... It is a real thing. It's what we call a morning chronotype. Mm. A morning chronotype person has a tendency to wake up early in the morning and be productive Uh, during the early hours of the day. And it's something very useful for the employer to know as well, uh, since, you know, it's better for you to get an employee to work for you when he or she is most alert and productive. Mm, And something to consider, of course, when we're in the the era of flexi-working and people working from home. Exactly. And we're talking often in terms of nine to five and all that. Maybe it suits people to have seven to three or something like that. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, just uh, talk to me a bit about how you bring the discussion about all this into the business environment. This is a business program, after all. Um, You know, something like sleep strikes me as being a very personal thing. How should managers and business operators introduce the whole issue of sleep onto the agenda at a staff meeting, for example? Yeah, I think in the last few years, there is an increased... um uh, attention given to wellness programs and workplaces. I think, you know, focusing more on the sleep aspect of the wellness program itself will bring uh, many rewards both to the employers and the employees. Uh, you know, employees can definitely improve their quality of life, uh, improve their health in the long run. And also for the employer, th- th- there is more benefit when the employees are very uh, healthy and uh, productive during the daytime when he's at work. Um, so, yeah, there is definitely value in looking into this in detail and that's something that Delta Sleep uh, does. Uh, we bring uh, 
education to employees on how to optimize their sleep. Uh, we also work with night shift workers, mm-hmm. and we are also developing a digital platform where employees uh, can uh, screen their sleep for different sleep disorders and look for help if there is something uh, flagged on that. Um, and a referral will be generated as well. Yeah. Now you mentioned about the huge costs, and I have to admit I was a bit stunned to hear it been uh, numbered in the tens of billions for the economy of poor mm-hmm. sleep. What are the benefits of getting your sleep strategy, for want of a better word, uh, right? Yes, um, so there's going to be better memory formation, better decision making, reduced reaction times when we are sleeping well. And in addition to that, you know, we will also be able to keep the chronic health conditions away if we can maintain good sleep patterns and also ensure that we're getting enough quantity of good quality sleep seven days a week. Uh, without a tendency to compensate for loss to sleep at the weekend. Well, look, Motti, very uh, good talking to you. That's Motti Verghese, who's a senior sleep physiologist at the Sleep Therapy Clinic and also Delta Sleep. And if you're interested by what you heard there, the good news is that you can attend a webinar which is hosted by Carla Kilkenny Skillnet. It takes place this coming week on October the 5th and you can get more information and bookings at carlokilkennyskillnet.ie forward slash webinar. Motti Verghese, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Bottom Line. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very good to talk to Motti Verghese during the week. A very interesting subject. And Motti also uh, runs a website called deltasleep.ie and you'll find lots of interesting uh, stuff on that website if you want to... uh, Get to understand your sleep patterns a bit more and maybe also understand how sleep uh, affects productivity in your business. Coming back, we'll be uh, getting out and about and uh, attending a business launch which took place in Kilkenny during the week. Don't go away. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with Emil Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. During the week, I got out and about for the first time in quite a while to attend the launch of a new business. It was of a company called Foundation Stone, who were a financial consultancy uh, company. It uh, was in the Medieval Mile Museum in the heart of Kilkenny City. And here's how I got on. John Hurley from Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. Last Saturday morning, you joined me in the studio, one of my first guests in a long time since COVID broke. And this week, we're meeting at an event. Uh, business slowly beginning to return to normal. That's the plan, and certainly uh, we're delighted to to begin the process of gradually going back to some element of normality that we've been used to before. Because it's very unnatural uh, having to conduct all our business and all our interactions via remote. Uh, they, they have their place, but we can't do it all that way. Um, we find that you know the Zoom meetings and the MS Teams meetings, they, they can be very effective and very efficient. But if you want to engage with people and actually get their viewpoints and get them understand how they feel about a particular issue, you really need to be face-to-face with them. And we're here in the Medieval Mile Museum at the launch of a new business, uh, which is great news, uh, Foundation Stone, a financial uh, consultancy uh, company. Uh, first business launch I've been at in a while, but you had your first face-to-face event today. You were lobbying the politicians. Tell us about that. That's right. But we all know that the uh, budget is coming up in a couple of weeks' time, so it's important that uh, the needs and wants of business are considered in that in those conversations. And uh, so that's our job. That's what we do on behalf of businesses. We are the voice of business, so we met and invited uh, all. 
all the councillors, our TDs, Minister, um, into a room. Uh, it was a big room. Appropriate uh, social distancing. It was our first parade uh, back to face to face again, uh, and it, it went extremely well. It made a big difference for us all to be there. Um, we, we have still all been in touch with each other, but it's been remotely. It was fantastic to see everybody there. Uh, it was a small gathering now, but it was very effective and very good and very uplifting to be back in face to face. Sean Manical from Manical Property Insurance claims you're here at the launch of Foundation Stone in the Medieval Mile Museum. Tell us a bit about your business and how you can get through COVID. Thanks very much, Sean. Um, for those lovely to be here this evening at a launch again after being you know, away from this for so long and seeing so many business here, businesses here today. Um, but uh, Manical Property Insurance claims uh, we're an advocate for homeowners and business owners when it comes to insurance property damage claim that it be um, fires, flood, force pipes, or even when it comes to businesses when they have business interruption claims such as uh, what's happened with the pandemic, COVID-19, a lot of businesses have been in severe trouble and uh, we're there uh, fighting the corner with the insurance companies to make sure they get their full entitlements that they're entitled to in their policies. It's been an unprecedented period for businesses. How have you found it and how, how have you found work on behalf of your clients at seeking business interruption cover? Well, it's been so hard in so many businesses and uh, they've really been put to the, put to the wall um, in relation to in relation to the pandemic and their turnover has been annihilated. It was so um, unfair in many regards how the insurance companies uh, didn't come forward earlier to start uh, uh, giving clients the support they needed when they needed it most. But in fairness, uh, following recent court actions uh, taken by a number of clients, particularly uh, the, the publicans in relation to the FPD case, um, that insurers are now starting to come on board and uh, pay out clients. There's still a lot of outstanding issues which are still going through the courts, but uh, we're here to help people out to navigate through the process of getting their claims through with the insurance companies this time. And presumably this is something that's gone on for going to go on for quite a while. And is it too late for people to start thinking of seeking your advice in relation to disruption and so on during the pandemic? Well, in terms of in going forward in the future, insurance companies have now written into their policies exclusions which, which won't uh, cover the pandemics going forward. The next pandemic, the next pandemic. in 100 or is it 200 years. Yeah, but if they had a policy in place at the time of the pandemic, there's a lot of the policies that, that are responding uh, and, and paying out. So by all means, uh, I think if they may call it, I would be happy to look at the policy and advise them whether they could have a claim in relation to relation to public business interruption at that time, absolutely. But it's good uh, on, a, on a lighter note to be back out and being able to meet people in a safe environment like the event here this evening. Oh my God, it's fantastic and so good to see so many businesses and uh, David and his team here at Foundation Stone did a fabulous launch and there's a really pleasant atmosphere around the place and it's a nice to be here. Thanks. David Long, you're the man behind Foundation Stone, the company launched here this evening. And I have to say, there's a very positive atmosphere. People looking to get out to launch of a new business. Yeah, we're very grateful. And we're very grateful to the Medieval Mile for allowing us to do this in a COVID way. <laughs> That's a good description for what we've done tonight. So it's great to see the people. It's great to be able to talk to them in person. It's great to be able to have a detailed conversation that we really require to understand what their needs are. Yeah, now, um, 
always launching a new business is a, is a leap into the unknown. You're doing it in the midst of COVID. How's it going for you? Uh, COVID kind of interrupted your plans. It did. Uh, we actually had intended to do this in January 2020 when we started the business. We would have done a launch like this probably in April or May once we got our feet under the desk. But we had to put all of that on hold and we put the business really, for want of a better description, into mothballs for the period of 2020. And we came back out again in May of this year and gone from strength to strength. Um, Derbyers joined us and we're now really heading for the future. You're providing uh, financial services, planning and advice, but there's a difference between planning and advice. Uh, talk to us about what makes your company different. We really put the client at the center of the conversation. We start with them. We really try and understand, one, their history, where they came from, how they could develop their money, what their money habits are, how did they learn, what do those influences have on their future and, or, or on their relationship with money. And then we look at their life going forward, not just the big events in their life like retirement or buying a home or a wedding, but we look at transitions and we describe a transition as a moment in their life when money is either coming towards them or going away from them. And we think there are probably between 50 and 60 transitions that everybody goes through in their lives. And all of those are moments when there can be financial stress, whereas if they have a plan, we can actually deal with that and address it and move forward so that the period after the event is not as stressful as it might otherwise be. And so very good atmosphere here this evening. A lot of well wishes for your company. You're looking forward with confidence to the future. Absolutely. Um, we, we're very... One of the better description, we're evangelical about life-centered financial planning. Not just the cash flow modeling and telling people they have enough money in the future, but really understanding what it is that people want in their lives and, and trying to get them to think more about living their best life possible with the money that they have. David Lund there from Foundation Stone launched during the week and best of luck to David and all his crew and apologies for the poor sound quality on that report. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. Any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, email thebottomline at kclr96fm.com. You can listen to this show or any episode of The Bottom Line. Just search The Bottom Line on the KCLR app or check us out on any of those podcast platforms. Thank you to all our guests this week, Marwena Cunningham. Kay Ling, Katrina Cullen, Motti Vergaze, John Hurley, Sean Manickel and David Lunn. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show and thanks to you for listening. KCLR's Bottom Line. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.onf.ie